Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Road to Freedom podcast. I'm Patrick Studebaker, and my co-host is uh, Matt Martin. Uh, I just wanted to do a quick little uh, update on you for this episode three. Uh, we had originally decided to do the NAP uh, for episode two, but because we went a little long on the news stories uh, and we didn't want to overburden people uh, with a new podcast with, that ran so long, uh, this is just the uh, non-aggression principle uh, discussion that Matt and I had. Uh, so from there, uh, we're just going to get right into it without the uh, normal introductions by ourselves. So that's what I'm doing here. For the nap. Um, naps are great. <laughs> naps are great. And this nap is especially good, too, because you could take a nap. And if everyone in your house supports the NAP, uh, then you'll be left unmolested from your nap. Yep. Um, but th- there's, there's something that, <clears throat> that I wanted to cover first as a precursor to the NAP. The NAP is this non-aggression principle that I would say, I'll just say that libertarians in general support the NAP as a foundational belief of their system of politics. Uh, and we'll get into the definition and the history of that a little bit. But first I wanted to talk about the worldview. I think this is something that politics is missing. And I take worldview uh, from a religious point of view and when I engage in apologetics on a religious basis, uh, I think looking at people's worldviews is the best way to go. It's the lens through which people view the world. And I think too much we're, we're, we're too focused on attacking people at a, 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 a political uh, issue level. And I think it just becomes uh, a cacophony of ideas of this is the best way, no, this is the best way, this is the best way. Uh, the, the positive issue that, that libertarians bring to the table is that we're ideologically based. The, the Democrats and the Republicans, you know, you can say, oh, well, they're for this. You know, uh, uh, Democrats are for, for our pro-choice. They're pro-choice. Okay, well, you know, can I have uh, a semi-automatic uh, uh, rifle in California? Well, no. Oh, but you can get an abortion. Right. That's when we're pro-choice. We're not pro-choice in everything. Likewise, the government says, oh, we want small government and small taxes. Okay, so we can defund the military uh, to a point where it accurately reflects the amount of threat that we have in the world today, uh, as long as we're not fighting external wars, which we should never be involved in. Oh, well, no, we, we can't do that. We're the policemen of the world. So libertarians have an ideology that they adhere to, and they run everything through that that worldview and that's what makes the libertarian uh political ideology the best it's because we have a consistent platform that we can draw to so worldview is again this think think about it like glasses it's you you look at something a brute fact and you you observe it through your worldview um everyone has one and the goal is to live the most consistent within that worldview when you have an inconsistency, that's the sign of a failed argument. Um, an example that I can think of is, let's say that you have uh, a, a belief that property is theft, which uh, communism would, would believe that property is theft. Uh, different types of socialistic uh, ideologies would have 
uh, this understanding that property itself is theft. Well, to live consistently would mean that you'd have to live in a communal system without a uh, private claim of anything, including the clothes on your back, the food that you eat, um, the, the um, children that you have. Uh, those aren't uh, able to be claimed to you. You're given to them by the state and uh, the, the community owns them uh, in, in that way. Uh, you have no claim to your phone, your car, anything of physical value. You wouldn't fight against injustice of a central planner engaging in rationing or extortion because you don't believe in ownership. They're not extorting. They're not um, uh, rationing people to uh, subsistent levels because the central planner, which is uh, an understanding of, of the uh, this communal system, is the one that can divvy out property. Um, you, you don't. You don't have. You can't have a vested interest in it because there's no ability to obtain property for yourself. You may even live with the belief that you don't even own yourself, that the state can dictate what you do and live and work. You know, the, the central planners are the ones that tell you that you need to be a factory worker, even if you want to be an artist. Um, if you say, well, I want to be an artist, the state will come in and say, no, you're going to make rivets for the rest of your life for 30 years um, because you don't own your body. So because property is theft. Again, you yourself are your own property uh, in in what we'll discuss for the, the libertarian point of view. The, it, you're inconsistent because belief in this would lead to slavery, which is owning people by the state, which would be theft. So again, the, the worldview is uh, property is theft. If you believe that, then you would understand that the state would have slaves because they would tell people what to do. And again, the state is just a collection of people. So people would own people. If that's the case, slavery is a form of property, which would be theft. So again, there's where you see the inconsistency within that worldview. Uh, you don't believe in property. Slavery is property. Therefore, uh, you're living inconsistently by saying uh, property is theft because you couldn't live in within that world. But let, let's look at it on the other hand. You believe that there are, there's private property. You own yourself. You own the products of your labor. You own your children, your clothes, your car. Um, you, when, when people or the state try and take those things, that's theft because you own it. There, there's no agreement to, um, to, to give it over. Uh, if, if there was, then it, then it wouldn't be theft. When the state forces your property away from you with threat or violence, that's extortion. It's immoral. It's an immoral action. It should be an illegal action. Uh, so you can live consistently with that, that understanding. Uh, when interacting with people, you can drill down to their basic beliefs. You can figure out where they're coming from and look for inconsistencies. And this is something that I would do when uh, dealing with someone who says uh, that there are no absolutes, right? So uh, we live in this postmodernist world. We, we have an understanding that what's true for uh, you isn't always true for me. There are no absolutes. Um, and then you ask, are you absolutely sure? If they say yes, then th they would be living inconsistently with their ideology. If they say no, well, then you've, it, it defeats their own argumentation. Um, so I think we miss this point a lot, and it's something that I want to research more uh, from a personal level, is how do we bring worldview understanding into the libertarian ideology? Because, yes, it's enough to say... Uh, 
you know, I have this idea of how we can privatize roadways or waterways or uh, how we can have a private military or a private police force. Those issues are good to discuss. They're great to discuss. Uh, but I think if we drill down to a worldview level, uh, we can show people where they're living inconsistently. And hopefully that will be a, a, a weapon that we can use to trigger people. Oh, no, triggering. <coughs> um, into, into understanding that uh, when, when they want to steal from you, uh, they're engaging in an immoral activity um, that, uh, that lives inconsistently within their own um, ideology. Uh, when talking with someone, if you can figure out their worldview uh, and what it is, that's when you can really figure out whose system works best. Again, you want to live the most consistently within your world as possible. Uh, inconsistency is a sign of failed argument. So uh, find which worldview makes more sense um, logically and rationally. And that's what the NAP brings, and that's what uh, libertarian ideology um, has. Uh, conversations don't always have to be you on the defensive. Uh, sometimes it's it's not always you know oh libertarians and a uh, 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 utopia system. Uh, what would you do with roads and military and the free rider problem and uh, immigration? Well, if they're not giving you a likewise uh, explanation of these things as well, um, where you can then drill down into what lens they're looking through, um, I think. Uh, we're missing a step in there from a political standpoint. Um, you don't always have to drive it back to um, God or or a, a moral system. Uh, I think that might be the way to go. Uh, but uh, I, I think it's an, an interesting point uh, that I would like uh, more people to, to consider when they're when they're engaging in political thought. Any of that makes sense, Matt? It makes sense to me. Okay, good. Makes sense to you. It'll make sense to, well, I mean, I won't Hopefully it makes sense to other reasonable people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Other reasonable people like us. All right, so what is the NAP? NAP is an acronym for non-aggression principle. It stems from the belief that initiation of physical violence is illegitimate. Violence can be against a person or a property as well. Uh, so if someone uh, tells you, uh, hey, uh, give me your money. Um, and or I'll beat you up. Uh, they've engaged in in both a violation of the non-aggression principle from the person I'll beat you up and the property. Uh, there's a worldview belief in private property and the ability to engage in contract that comes from the belief in the natural law. Um, the a really good lecture that I have on this is. Um, is from uh, Judge Andrew Napolitano. You can find it uh, on the Mises podcast site. I think it's called, like, What Happened to the Constitution? Um, he He's just a master at the, the natural law. Um, and uh, I, I, I would, I would uh, direct people's attention to that uh, for a better understanding of what the natural law is. Uh, that's something that we can also discuss later, uh, but I just want to uh, bring that up real quick. Uh, the Non-aggression principle governs how people act in relation to each other. Um, you know, you ha live in a neighborhood. Um, your neighbor has a new car. Uh, you really like it. You don't go over and punch him in the face and take it and say, this is mine now. Um, it would be illegitimate. It would be theft. Uh, it would be uh, possible extortion, depending on, on what you say. Um, you can always give up 
your rights to property. You can sell it. You can engage in contracts. Think about jobs. Uh, I'm engaging in a, a contractual agreement between the person who's going to pay me now for the services that I, I, I offer. Um, I, I think that's an interesting point when you look at what a job is because I think uh, people who don't believe in, uh, in capitalism has this understanding of, well, you know, you're being exploited because you're not gaining 100% of what they're making off of you. Yeah, but I don't have to wait five, six, ten years for that profit to happen uh, from the results of my labor. I can sell my body now, my time, for a price that I <clears throat> that I think is a good price, and I can get that payment in, in a week or two. I can get that, that payment immediately. Uh, you have legitimate prices that way. Uh, the uh, If you have an absence of a sales tax, you, you know that um, this uh, uh, widget, this uh, loaf of bread, really costs a dollar. It doesn't cost a dollar oh six. Um, so having legitimate prices where, uh, you know, and, and, and bread is taxed at each level. It's not just the final result product. You're paying taxes on the wheat and uh, the machinery to use to make it. It's the, the eye pencil issue. There's so many things that get taxed along the process just to make a loaf of bread. Um, it's insane that we even have money in the first place uh, uh, at the end of the day. Uh, violations of, of uh, the non-aggression principle would result in theft, assault, fraud, vandalism, uh, pollution, I think is a good one. There's always this understanding of, of well, you know, libertarians will just pollute the oceans and, and, and uh, pollute the air, dump oil into the river. Um, but if you have private property rights, you would say, well, you know, this pollutant came over into my property uh, and I didn't uh, agree to it. So that person has engaged in uh, aggression against me and now I can take uh, action against them through the use of lawsuit or if it's, you know, uh, a, a, a more deadly violation, uh, you have the ability to engage in defensive activity of your life. So non-aggression doesn't say that you can, that you have to be a pacifist. You can engage in pacifism as you like because you're free to do so. Uh, but you can always take defensive action. Uh, that's why the Libertarian Party's uh, mascot is a porcupine. Porcupine never shoots quills, but if it's attacked, it can put up its quills and be a defensive uh, aggressor, I guess. I don't know if aggressor is the right word, but it can take the uh, defensive action um, into uh, uh, protecting itself. Uh, violators would... Um, uh, violators would be violating the non-aggression principle. Uh, they give up their ability to, to life or, or their freedom um, and or, or their property. Uh, if someone breaks into your house, takes a TV, and walks out with it, you're just as free to go back over uh, and obtain uh, your property back from them, uh, uh, fully justified. Uh, in the state system, uh, you're prevented from doing that. You have to uh, wait for the police. They might investigate. They might take the fingerprints, they might not. And, you know, you just uh, make a claim to, to your insurance. There's no big deal. Uh, the fact that property crimes are so limitedly viewed uh, from from the police standpoint is, is ridiculous. Um, you know. Uh, uh, the natural law or natural lights and liberty either come uh, from our creator or they come from our humanity. Um, that's what's kind of the natural law states. So, uh, you either own yourself, your body, the products of your labor, because you were made in the image of God and, uh, your 
personhood uh, allows you to uh, have those rights, or they're a product based on on you being born as a as a logical creature who um, has the ability to recognize and understand uh, that you own yourself and the products of your labor. So it can it can be uh, a, a divine creator aspect, or it can just be uh, a naturally imbued one. I, th I think if you're still looking at it from a, a worldview situation, I think you could uh, have arguments against those two, but you can make the claim at least to a basic level uh, to to launch from a, a worldview standpoint. Uh, to say that it comes from a state, from the state, that that, that property comes from the state, it, it begs the question uh, and, and and has a misunderstanding. Uh, Thomas More, when it was when he was being accused, uh, asked. Can an act of parliament declare that the earth is flat when it is round? Well, of course not, right? Just because the state makes a claim that uh, you should believe in something, uh, that, that they have a right to something, that they give you something, uh, doesn't make it true, especially if it says the opposite of, of what it is. The state can say you don't have the freedom of speech just because they have the ability to say that and enforce it. Doesn't mean you don't have the ability to have free speech. Um, Within libertarian thought, uh, a lot of examples tend to come from Robinson Crusoe, and I never really understood why uh, Robinson Crusoe uh, lands at a desert island, has to um, uh, survive, and um, and um, how how does he do so? What's the best way to do it? And I never really understood why they use Robinson Crusoe so much, except that Robinson Crusoe is devoid of the state on on the island. So, what what does Robinson Crusoe? What's he able to engage in? Well, he owns himself. And he owns the, the property that, that he can um, gather. So if he gathers a coconut, the coconut's his. Once Friday comes along, uh, Friday gathers berries. Uh, he can engage in trade between Friday and, and him for coconuts for berries. Uh, if he hits uh, Friday over the head with a coconut, he's engaged in aggression. And we would say that that's immoral and should be illegal. And that aggression... Uh, yeah, he, he's, he's satisfied uh, uh, an immediate concern. He wanted those berries, he got those berries, but now he's ruined a relationship of engaging in uh, uh, the best best way to interact with Friday, which is through non-aggression. He trades a coconut for a handful of berries because he's got uh, two other coconuts at home. Uh, he's, he's benefited from that because he wanted those berries over the coconut uh, and... Um, Friday wanted the coconut over the berries because he's got bushels of it back at, at his place. Um, we see that in the Constitution. It's uh, Congress shall make no law uh, this, no, but violating the free speech of people. It's the word the that uh, shows you that it's a recognition that there is already a natural right to free speech. You don't... The, the, con, the, the First Amendment doesn't say that the government grants the people uh, an ability to freedom of speech, except under these circumstances. It's a recognition uh, that it's already uh, imbued in you as a person, and then from there they try and curtail it, especially within the, the past uh, number of years. The non-aggression principle um, comes into play when someone else shows up on your deserted island, uh, and we see that with, with our Friday example. We own our own bodies, our own thoughts, our own ideas, our own words, and we own the product of our labor. 
and most would agree that people should be held responsible for their actions, words, ideas, and what our property does. If you're going to be held responsible, that means it's part of ownership. You know, we don't say that, um, you know, uh, well, you know, I don't really own my own body. Uh, it's owned by the community. And when I rape that person, I can't be held responsible because holding someone responsible means that you had the ability to control that, which is you. Or, um, you know, if you have uh, um, uh, 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 your car and it leaks oil into your neighbor's yard, uh, you don't say, well, you know, I don't really own this this vehicle, so you can't hold me responsible for the damage that happened to, to the property or that got you sick because, first of all, I don't believe you even own yourself, but I don't own this car. Uh, you know, if, if it's innate in the car, well, you know, bad car, bad. Uh, but, you know, go to the to the community and, and find regress from there. But you shouldn't because you don't even own the property that the oil spilled out on. Uh, so that's where libertarian idea, bringing in the nap and having that as our worldview, the lens that we that we look at things through, and we see that that's the best way that we can engage in political discussion. It's the way we best engage in economic discussion and, and action. Um, and so the, the, the nap is legitimately the best way that we can um, have the 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 benefit the, the greatest possible benefit uh, in this world. Um, I think Matt, you have the the history of the nap. Yeah. Um, one thing I found an interesting quote from Thomas Jefferson about um, that they pulled in for the non-aggression principle. It was uh, in 1816. He said to Francis Gilmer, "Rightfully or rightful liberty is unobstructed." action according to our will within limits drawn around us by the equal rights of others i do not add within the limits of the law because laws often but the tyrants will and always so when it violates the rights of the individual and no man has a natural right to commit aggression on the equal rights of another and this is from which laws ought to restrain him i thought that was interesting because you know uh how he adds in he doesn't add in the limits of the law because laws can be you know corrupted and brought on by the state that are aren't really that go against the natural rights right protectionism um, like yeah. you the government doesn't allow you to sue vaccine manufacturers for any adverse uh, reactions to any vaccine I'm not talking about never vaccinate your children because it'll give you autism I'm just saying if you have a bad batch of the vaccine and something happens to your kid, you you are prohibited from taking uh, uh, economic action against them because the government says no, no, no. Yeah, yeah. We we, we find the non-aggression principle too in not just quotes from political figures, but we see it in a lot of religious system. Uh, in Judeo-Christian, you know, it's the it's the golden rule. Rule, you know, don't do violence to you, you unless if it's, uh, un, you know, don't engage in activity that you wouldn't want done to you. You want violence done to you. But then at the same time, there's a redress, which is an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. There's a sense of justice that comes about because, uh, the, the, especially in the Bible, an understanding of private property exists in, in a natural state to humans. Uh, you know, in the, in the Garden of Eden, God gave Adam and Eve uh, the, the garden, turned it over to them and said, uh, be fruitful and multiply and tame, tame the garden and expand it out. Well, you know, how do you do that if you don't own it? You're being given ownership. You're be given responsibility. Um, the the product of the labor would result from the work. So ownership would increase as you know Adam and Eve being the first homesteaders. Yeah, 
I thought it was interesting. I didn't really f- know until I uh, until I looked more into it. But um, for the history that I mean, you've got things for the non-aggression principle dating all the way back to 300 BC by um, what's his name Ep- Epicurus. He has there's a quote from him saying natural justice is a symbol or expression of usefulness to prevent one person from harming or being harmed by another. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you've got bits of non-aggression principle that have been in, you know, civilization for for a very long time. Right. Well, because it only makes sense because we're a, a social creature. Uh, we engage in social activity. That's how we learn and grow and get wealthier. Uh, I mean, yeah, look at look at the, the, the trial of Socrates that Plato wrote about. Uh, at the very beginning, Socrates is engaging in public debate with someone over what is piety. Socrates isn't, uh, you know, cutting off this guy's toes and, and telling him to agree to him uh, with what he believes piety is. He's engaging in a rational discussion because he's trying to get to the best possible outcome between those two people. When you engage in aggression, uh, you know, it's, it's this, this uh, what we see in movies, you know, I'll rule through fear. Well, yeah, you can rule through fear until everyone rises up against you and overthrows you uh, because the mob out, outnumbers you as, as an elite. Um, but um, if you engage in, in non-aggression and convince people and don't take their stuff, they're more likely to work with you. you know, so um, if, if, you're, if you're living next to your neighbor and they want to put up a, 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 a big fence and you're like, oh, well, you know, I really like looking at the trees over the fence. Hey, can we... Can we work out a system where you uh, make it three feet instead of six feet? And they might say, uh, no, I won't do that. And you're like, well, can I pay you a hundred bucks to do it? Well, that might be enough to engage in it. Or, you know, if it obstructs your view, what is it harming you? Right. It's, it's obscuring your view of the nice trees over on the other side, but he's not aggressing against you upon it. You may be disappointed, but an understanding that we live communally, um, socially, I'm talking about not, not economically, uh, is is an understanding that you know. Well, you know, we had the best possible outcome. Uh, he didn't agree to it, and we didn't engage in violence, and we're still neighbors. Um, I'm going to go over and take a pie to him and say, "Hey, no hard feelings." Or he's going to do it, uh, maybe without you paying a hundred hundred bucks to him. And he's like, "Oh yeah, uh, I'm just using the fence so that my dog doesn't get out." So I, I'll, it, th- three feet rather than six feet means less material for me, and and a relationship forms, and that's why. On a local level, the non-aggression principle works so much better because you're actively engaged in the system around you. Uh, when you uh, uh, punt it off to, um, you know, the federal level, or you know what we, what we did when we fought uh, the Revolutionary War for, um, you know, it's it's those people that look back across, you know, from Washington D.C. to California is a long way. Uh, so um, the ability to engage in in Going to that person and and directly speaking to them uh, uh, decreases the value of of engaging in a discussion. So it's more easy for them to say, "Oh, we can take your stuff, your money, your property, uh, whenever we want." And it's interesting that it's the federal government that does that more than local governments. It still happens on a local government level, uh, but um, federal seems to take more things away um, than than the states or the local. Sure. Uh, anything else? I mean, that about sums. I think that's. I think that's a good dive into the NAP in the beginning. 
Right, yeah. Um, obviously, we're not covering the subject super completely. We want to give a general overview of what the non-aggression principle is. And, I mean, what's the local application? We always want to talk about what, what can we do locally. Well, don't steal your neighbor's property, but engage in, in trade and borrowing. We do that all the time. Hey, can I borrow a screwdriver? Um, we, <laughs> we had a typical uh, middle-aged dad uh, uh, party over here where we got our mowers together, and one guy had a, a blade grinder. And he grinded our blades for us. Um, and we just had a, a good time doing that. We were all in, you know, khaki shorts. And I, I don't think any of us were wearing socks and sandals, but uh, it was definitely fun. Um, and then when my neighbor goes out of town, um, I bring his uh, garbage back from the end of the curb. I mean, that that's, that's what a majority of our relationships are. We don't always want to engage in aggression. If we did, we'd be the mob or the government because there's really no difference. The government says, do this or else. The mob says, do this or else. There's the only thing that makes the government slightly more legitimate, and I'm using the term legitimate very loosely, is that there are a certain number of people who agree to that system. And it's always been in place, so it's hard to question it. You know, it's it's uh, Plato's on the wall. You see the, the shadows dancing on the wall. Well, that's what the truth is. There's definitely nothing behind you to, to look at because you've always noticed that. And so when someone gets out and walks around and says, hey, these are just, you know, little stick figures, these aren't real things, it's really hard for people to take that understanding because that's all they know. Um, you can do what you want to, to your house. We, we see that. Uh, you pick your carpeting, you decide to finish your pavement, you do uh, put a new roof on, or, or not. Hey, uh, I like my little crappy roof, or I don't have, have um, funds for it. But yet, when the government says oh, you need a permit to finish your basement, or, hey, your roof's really bad, uh, we're going to come and fine you if you don't have this. Um, they're the ones that engage in aggression. They're the ones that are violating your rights. Um, just because you happen to live in that area, uh, that, that, that's, that's your consent, is what, what they say. And that's just, that's just not the case. <laughs> because, like, oh, well, you know, uh, the, the, the typical... Uh, liberal understanding of oh just because she's wearing a short skirt doesn't mean that she uh you know she was asking to get raped oh well you know you were just in a bad neighborhood so you were just i mean you agreed to it by being in that in in rape street so you know what do you expect rape street would be a great name to keep people out of i would think that's what i should do yeah yeah come on down your street. <laughs> hey pizza guy just can name you your own street rape street and then <laughs> yeah. no one will bother there you, you. Go. There you go. Hey, pizza guy, can you deliver to one, two, three Rape Street? Uh, no, no, definitely not. <laughs> uh, if we don't allow people to use very small things without our permission, then why are big things in such contention? It's my money. It's my property. It's my vehicle. I don't let people just come in and like, oh, someone just took my vehicle. Uh, I guess that's fine. But we let the government do this. Um, we need to understand that un unless if we're giving consent, unless if it's like, well, you know, the, the money that they're taking, I would freely give to a private charity to do the same thing, right? That That's one thing, but they're doing it at the force of a gun. And just because they do something nice with it doesn't mean anything. If I came up to, to you and stuck a gun in your face and said, give me your money, I'm going to go feed the homeless with it in your name, and I'll, I'll, I'll let everyone know. Well, you've still engaged in violence. That's still illegitimate. You've engaged in theft. Just because you do something nice with it, just because you've given me credit for it, uh, or just because I've given you credit for it, it uh, doesn't mean it's it's not a an act of aggression. What I think it, this does too, it, it it actually for me it instills 
a, a greater desire to engage in voluntary interaction with my neighbors and limit fighting because, okay, I, I know I can't uh, do violence against them, but I can definitely be nicer to them because I, I have this understanding that um, they, they might not like me coming in their face and yelling at, at them for, you know, uh, don't paint your house pink. That looks ugly. That's going to keep my property values sound. Well, there's no active aggression there. First of all, you're not owed property value. Your property is worth whatever someone's going to pay. Uh, and just because you don't like the look of it doesn't mean that it's an act of aggression upon you. But it, if I have my neighbor and I, he says, oh, yeah, I'm going to paint my house uh, bright, bright pink because uh, I think the airplanes flying overhead will like it. Well, if I engage in a rational discussion with that person, maybe I can change it and say, hey, uh, how about you know this, this nice green color? Or um, you know, let him know that airplanes can't see uh, his house from this flight path. I think the non-aggression principle, especially for libertarians, we have the ability to engage in, in a better relational conversation with people than other people because there's always the idea of, you know, uh, hey, uh, give to private charities to, to fund um, uh, 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 birth control for, for underage kids that can't afford it, uh, rather than, hey, uh, go to the next state over, uh, smash in that person's house, grab their money. Uh, before it uh, enters their bank account, bring it back and give it to the, the, the poor kids who are wanting to uh, not get knocked up for engaging in risky sexual behavior. I mean, one is legitimately more peaceful, it's more moral, and uh, it's something that we constantly engage in as as just normal people. And that's what we are. We're normal people. Uh, if you can't use force then maybe I make a better argument or pay the person, which is not a bribe, uh, but you're just exchanging your money for a desired outcome, which happens all the time. I want that loaf of bread. The store wants my money. I give them the money that they want. I get the bread. We've exchanged in detail uh, in, 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 uh, in holy matrimony of, of uh, capitalistic competition. A violation in contract could lead to a lawsuit, and you don't need the state to carry out a lawsuit, you have private courts, you have arbitration, which happens all the time. Uh, mm -hmm. you, you, if, if you have a dispute with your neighbor um, and you live on a private street, you may have a good uh, uh, HOA, uh, not one of those bad ones that, that Matt always likes bringing up, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, uh, but there's, there's an arbitration. So there you've engaged in a contract that said, I agree to abide by the arbitration of the, the, you know, the, the tribunal or whatever you might call it. Um, and you abide by the outcome of, of that. You've engaged, you've, you've engaged into a contract with that, and you've uh, followed the recourse of that contract. Uh, none of this has to have the state involved. We can do this on a local level, and I think that's the biggest thing that we want to bring about in, in this podcast, is let's not look to the federal, because they're already lost. They're already stealing from us. There are other people that are doing a lot more uh, for for the top level. We, we want to talk about the local level. When it comes to um, stadiums being built, we can we have a greater uh, availability to say no. When it comes to the poisoning of our water, we have a greater ability to ask for um, the state to get out and for private companies to get in. When we live in neighborhoods, we engage in nonviolent activity because we're always going to live next to that neighbor and we want to, to, to be nice so that we can foster a, a good um sense of, of of calm and peace in, in the neighborhood that uh, that we are always gonna, that we live a majority of our day out on 
Um, it's the same thing why you should, you know, not have aggression and punch your coworkers is because, well, as long as you don't get fired, you're going to continue to interact with them. You want them to do stuff for you. They want uh, you to carry out your job. Um, the non-aggression principle as a worldview uh, makes us more consistent people because that's how we already do act. A lot of us do act in non-aggressive ways. Even the violent dictators have to engage in non-aggressive ways in order to get what they want out because we're social people who engage in social activity. Anything else that we might have missed, Matt? Not that I can think of right now. Yeah. If that's a good this is a good episode for uh, for introduction into the non-aggression principle. Uh, what we're going to do uh, next uh, episode is we're going to look at uh, specific issues that the non-aggression principle can inform us on what to do. Uh, uh, drugs, property, um, uh, wars, uh, immigration, but whatever we might come up with um, that we want to look at to say how how does this issue uh, how can we look at this issue consistently uh, with the worldview of the non-aggression principle? And there's a, a good article that we can go through that has objections to the non-aggression principle that I think is going to make for a really good discussion. All right, so uh, that's it for this episode, episode two. Uh, uh, we'll see you next week. And I just want to encourage everyone to live radically uh, because by living radically, uh, we only have this one life to live and uh, to, to live it uh for the state or for for people that want to do violence to you um, is not worth it. So get out there and live radically. Have a good day.